Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. Welcome to Podium Time, the podcast for conductors and students. So I don't think we should try and compete. I think that, and I think that we all know that. So what we're trying to do now is to say, okay, we've got this great orchestra, and we want to play for our community. So what's the best way we can do that? Yeah. You know, what's going to bring them in? It might not be a Beethoven cycle. It could be. It could be. But, it, you know, in, in some town, it might not be. So what can we do to make it work? Of course, the other thing that's really, really huge is marketing. So it's there, there are so many things that go into it. But that's the fascinating part of being with an orchestra on a day-to-day basis. Hello and welcome to Podium Time. I'm your host, Jeremy D. Cuevas, and today Luke and I are excited to share our interview with Jana Himes, Artistic Director of the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. In this interview, we discuss Jana's new position with Carmel, how she sets goals in the artistic, marketing, develop, and education areas, and more, to grow her orchestras, and how she communicates that vision to her board and administration. We also discuss the importance of programming for your orchestra's community and the community of any concert, and how to use creative and varied education and pops programming to both attract new audiences and present fantastically engaging concerts. Though everything we talk about today is evergreen, we recorded this episode in February, back when we all thought that the defining event of 2020 would be the fires in Australia. Honestly, I every time somebody might <laughs> forget that those were just like in January and February. So there are a few updates from Jana since then. Carmel has confirmed a 2021 season starting in October. They've been busy with a lot of digital content during the spring and summer and organizing drive-in and backyard concerts. More information on all of those can be found at carmelsymphony.org. You can also hear a more recent update from Jana on the new interview show, Coffee with the Maestro, hosted by one of our guests and a very good friend, Silas Huff. Silas has interviewed Jana, myself, and a few other names you'll recognize from the Podium Time roster. So check out his show on YouTube or Facebook for some great conversations and a more recent update from Jana. For the past few months, we've been hard at work cranking out these Podium Time episodes every week. So after a few more episodes, we'll be taking a short break and then returning to our previous schedule of interviews every two weeks. 
I really hope you've been enjoying the plethora of interviews, plenty of listening, and that this will give you a chance to catch up on some of those if you've been having trouble keeping up. I know even I have trouble keeping up. Or give you a chance to dig into the archives if you're a new listener. This is episode 87, which means there are 86 other episodes. Um, We've been going for, yeah, just right at three years now. And um, yeah, so there's plenty, plenty of awesome content in the in the archives so be sure to scroll back down in your podcast player back to the 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s even that was 50s were still a while ago and check out some of those older episodes and then finally as always i'd like to extend a huge thank you to our patrons on patreon who help keep the lights on here at podium time if this podcast brings value to your life and your career head over to patreon.com slash podium time pod to learn how you can join our family and support the show Links for everything are in the show notes below on the podcast player or on our website. And as always, please enjoy this interview with Jana Himes. Awesome. Well, well, thank you, Jana, for for joining us. Um, you are your so Carmel Symphony, right? Yeah. So I'm the music director of the Carmel Symphony. I've been here for three years, and um, actually, I'm in the middle of my third season, and I just signed a new five year contract. Oh, awesome. I'm really excited. Yeah, just last week. And um, thanks. I was um, with the Williamsburg Symphony in Virginia for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did the two of them for a couple of years. And uh, it's it's hard to have two orchestras where you're a music director and really mm-hmm. ensconced in the community. And so I decided that um, I would do this. And this is just booming. So it's really great to be here. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's what was the process like for the for the Carmel? Were you invited to apply or was that something that you sought out? Yeah. So what happened was, um, as I was in probably like my 13th or 14th year in Williamsburg, I started thinking that I had been there so long and I had pretty much done what I wanted to do. I I had a a bunch of goals I wanted to set for that orchestra. We pretty much reached those. Um, And so I thought that it would be really a great idea to start looking around for a new challenge. So I did apply to Carmel um, because I knew that this city was booming and I knew that there was a lot of money here. And so I thought, wow, I, I think this would be really cool. And so I applied, you know, and hundreds of people apply to these things and then they invite, you know, finalists. And so I came and conducted and I was blown away. The Palladium is one of the most beautiful halls in the country. And, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Bode plays there every year and uh, like huge people come and perform there and that's our home and it's just beautiful and the acoustics are great. So I thought there's, there's a, an incredible support of the arts from the city and obviously, you know, the people that, the, the people that live here and the schools are great. And I just thought this is a place I can really grow. And in the two and a half years I've, I've been here, we really have, and it's really exciting. Uh, the, 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 the growth, but also the plans that we have. Yeah. So what are some of the goals that you set? Well, one of the goals I said is we increased our budget. So we're bringing in like even fantastic, um, uh, guest artists and we, we they didn't have a pop series so now we have a, a series okay. of four or five pops and I'm starting a new festival and um, I'm going to be getting um, about $475,000 from the city to start this festival wow. and it's going to be a, a music and film festival that's national and maybe international and it's going to be about 10 days during the race the Indianapolis 500 week so we're going to have a lot of people in town in Indianapolis and they'll come up to Carmel and you know they'll come to the hotels and they'll go to the restaurants and they'll come to concerts and so I'm 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 thinking about this in sort of a European festival, kind of a like a Spoleto um, festival where there's stuff going on simultaneously all over town, inside, you know, outdoors and indoors, and 
kind of like pop music and classical music and jazz and all mixed mm -hmm. up for like 10 days and really focused on on what people want and, and a little mm -hmm. bit of everything and a, and a big educational component too. So I'm pretty mm -hmm. excited about this because it's so different. That's awesome. And that you're, you know, you're, you're getting the rest of the city into it as well. So exactly. is, is the film festival like orchestra and film for the whole thing or is it? No, uh, that's a great question. Part of it will be, um, we're probably going to bring in somebody to run that, but part, one of the things I want to do is have new film with, with new compositions and perform oh. them um, for the first time and premiere them at the festival. But there will be a little bit of that overlapping, but the film uh, a portion will probably be separate. So there's this 10th grader and he goes to the, the Carmel High School here. And uh, I read an article about him that he dropped out of 10th grade to go to LA to work with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. And I was amazed when I read this article and I thought, wow, I have to meet this kid. And we were doing a concert with um, Michael Feinstein and he was, this kid came backstage with his parents and uh, he wanted to be introduced to me and we met and I, sh I took him by the shoulders and I just said, I've been wanting to meet you. And I was so excited to meet him. And I said, what do you think about writing a piece for film and then we'll get a young filmmaker and you guys can work together, you know, and do this, this project together and we'll premiere at the festival. And, you know, he said that, that would be great. So we're looking at May, 2021 of being the opening of the festival. So I'm hoping that that's going to happen. Okay. So that's going to be one component, but there will also be films that will, be judged and curated and everything by somebody else. Um, okay. I'm going to bring some to do that part portion of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be good to also get that audience exposed to the to the orchestra and the new music. So yeah, that's an that's an awesome collaboration. Yeah, and I want to bring in like hip bands, like jazz groups, and yeah. you know, folk and rock, all kinds of different kinds of music. Not just I think the, the orchestra will play, but it's not a classical music um, mm -hmm. festival. So we have our series starts around September, sometimes October, and we go to April or May, depending on the year. And that's our, our standard season. But this is going to be um, after our, our last concert and then just a tag on for a, a two weekends and then the week in between and really different from what we would play in our hall. So I'm, oh, I'm really excited definitely. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I mean, you know, orchestras play with bands here and there and, and yeah. we get that music in, but I, I wish more orchestras and programmers understood that, you know, I think we need to we need to branch out more than that. We need to collaborate more with those things and not just in the concert hall. But absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's funny that you say that because whenever I address the board, I talk about collaboration and we collaborate with um, there's a great children's choir in Indianapolis. Okay. There are three or four great dance troops. There are actors groups and we're, we're constantly doing things with them once or twice a year. It brings a new audience, but it's a crossover of programming. It is so important. And collaboration is really, really the way to go these days. People love it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just bringing in someone to stand from the orchestra and perform, but it's a pro like we're doing Sweeney Todd in two yeah. weeks. Sweeney Todd with, a, right. with a, a theater that is unbelievable. And they, they did it like five years ago and sold out and people went crazy. Now we're doing it in the theater with the orchestra on stage and we have a full choir up in the choir loft and the actors will be on stage. It's going to be fantastic. And, you know, people love those things. It's mm -hmm. visual, it's oral, it's it's just everything all on stage. And it's not just another ho-hum concert or another no. collaboration that's like a one-off, you know, it's it's really meaningful. And so I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love when, when we're able to do a concert or do a presentation that attracts not standard symphony members to get them, just to get them into the hall and, and kind of get the general public more, more, into not into but exposed to just the idea of a live symphony because they they get a lot in movies but but less so in person 
Yes. And I think, you know, times are changing and people want experiences. Um, mm -hmm. I've been conducting for a while and, you know, it used to be that I could program a series and people would come because they knew that it was a, a high level and they trusted what I would program and they would just buy a subscription and come. But now I'm in a new town and there's, there's a lot of incredible things going on on the same night. And, you know, 19 miles away is Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they have a great orchestra and I, I actually worked for that orchestra when Raymond Lepard was music director. I was his number two, the associate conductor there. But I, I mean, it's, they're looking for experiences. They're looking for something that's different. And mm -hmm. while they might love Mozart and they, they, they really want to hear Beethoven nine, if you can put on a, a, a production of something that's unique and creative, you, you're going to get those people, but also new people coming thinking, wow, this is an event I really want to see. And so now when I'm programming, I'm, I'm thinking about that wherever I go, even if I'm guesting and it seems to be working. So um, whether it's an eclectic program or, there's a title that's really infectious or mm -hmm. just some things for people to go, wow, that's different. I really want to go to that. Yeah. What are, what are some of those other programs you've been doing? Well, I was just with Savannah Symphony uh, last week and uh, we had a really young soloist. He was 18. I mean, he wasn't, know. you know, he, he, he's at, at Curtis and his name is Nathan Lee. He played a Mozart piano concerto number 12 and he was terrific. And the program was really eclectic. We started with the Iber Divertimento um, which is just such a great piece. Oh, yeah. And um, then and it was written as uh, incidental music for this farce. So it's, it's, it's got a, a lot of um, kind of like, like, uh, oh, uh, like thumbing up of the nose, you know, just kind of this fun, <laughs> really fun, fun music to it. It's just really jolly and funny and kind of like whimsical and the audience just, ate it up. Yes. and then we, uh, then we did the Mozart and then um, it was intermission and we did Beethoven's Eighth Symphony. And then we ended with Rossini's Overture to Barbara Seville. So That's it was fun. really, really, <laughs> uh, you know, unusual because we kind of flipped the program. And the audience, we got four standing ovations. They went wow. nuts. They absolutely loved it. What a great audience. And that's a great audience in Savannah there because uh, a lot of people live there and they've lived in major cities and they've moved to Savannah for not retirement, um, but maybe um, to, to change their lifestyle. And they, they love music. They're, it's a very culturally minded audience. And they just, they were fantastic. So uh, mm -hmm. that was really great. They, they reminded me of the Williamsburg audience. And the audiences are different, you know, cities are different. Towns oh, yeah. are different. And um, I'm going to Bozeman, Montana in May, and I'm doing a completely different program there. Um, and I, I think that, you you know, you need to learn your community. When you're a music director mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. guesting, you need to really think about where you're going. So if you go to New York or San Francisco or L.A., you can program really differently than I can program here in Carmel. Right now, anyway, for yeah. right now. Maybe in a few years after people really know me, they're, they're actually, the, the subscriptions are up and they're trusting me and they're... Um, we're doing really well, but, but after two years, I'm still relatively new and we're still, I'm still meeting people and getting out in the community, but you know, in, in, in three or four years, um, they'll just automatically, we'll have like a really large subscription base. I, I hope that's a goal. Yeah. And then I can really take some more chances, you know, and, but next year, next year, we're, we're, we're really looking forward to the season is we're calling it the year of the woman or, um, oh, we might, yeah, yeah, we might subtitle it the female muse and we're bringing in, um, <laughs> 
some female um, soloists, and we're actually hiring right now. So those those will be announced like in in a few weeks. Yeah. And we're playing music of, of female composers, and we're gonna have a big gala where we honor um, women in the community who have supported the arts. So it's gonna be really fun, and it's pretty timely to do something like that. And it's fun for me because being a, a female conductor, I I don't really. Um, put too much attention on that, but we're doing it this year, and it's been really fun. It's it's a, yeah. it's a fun it's a fun way to honor women, and and I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, who are some? Are you are you gonna are you gonna be doing any any like new pieces or bringing the composers in person? I'm really looking at doing that. I really really want to do that. So we're looking at the budget right now. We're 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 um, pricing everything out, and you know some some people are a little cost prohibitive, and it's going to be a little bit harder to bring them in. Yeah. Um, and you know, but I, I want to do that. I want the audiences to meet, to meet some of these people and, and to, to get to know them. And I think that, you know, if they can get up in front of, on the stage and, and talk about their music, I mean, how great is that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're, well, I've programmed a piece by Jennifer Higdon, um, mm-hmm. Joan Tower and Gabriella Lena Frank. Um, and I think, uh, it would be just so cool. And I also want to do, uh, some music of Clarice Assad. So these are like really great women composers. And um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but it would be fantastic to bring some of them to Carmel and they can even work with the high school. The high school has six orchestras here in wow. Carmel. It's, I know it's one of the most amazing <laughs> programs in the country. And so um, it would be fantastic to tie uh, some programs in with them. So, we're, you know, we're working all those details out right now. And you know, it's interesting because as a music director, so much of your time is spent doing all of this R&D, you know, research and development. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. planning and programming and meeting and and just strategizing. And I really like that part of my job. Um, but guest conducting is great. You go in and you're there for five <laughs> days and, you you know, and I, I love that, too. But but being a music director is really it's so satisfying because you work with so many people and you get to collaborate. And I, I just love that part of my job. And I think you get to you get to develop that relationship with your audience as well if you're there for so I mean you were at your previous position for what fifteen years you said yeah yeah right? and you get to really know the the audiences and the orchestra and they really get to know you and um, you know the two very different things but uh, but yeah definitely definitely um, good for the community also if they if they have that figure for so long. I think so. And I think that I think a lot of orchestras are really looking for that in music directors now. I think I think the days are are so different now. And I, I don't know if you can still have four orchestras and just fly around. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe the top orchestras, you know, they're so incredibly busy. And, you know, when you come in and you're the maestro and you can conduct five or six weeks and you, you meet the top donors and then you leave. Yeah. Um, I guess that's that's still going on. But I think with these orchestras that are smaller they really really want your presence and and they want that 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 person that that i that they use to to really identify with the orchestra and you know you're the you're the face of the orchestra if you will and i i always say to the board that it's it's not about me and it's all of us together and that, that we really need to have our musicians be a big part of that and also our volunteers and then and then you know, then it goes to our board and our staff and our audience. So it's like everybody should be part of it. And that's really what I'm all about. Um, and, you know, I also say to them, and this is, this is, they always smile when I say this, it's all about the music. I mean, the music is ultimately what it's about. It's not about really people. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's about the, 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 
experience of hearing music and how profound that is and and what music can do when you when you perform it and when you listen to it it's it's absolutely astounding how it changes people's lives and i and i think that sometimes we forget that when we're running around and you know something happens the soloist is late or you know somebody didn't get the seats they expected or you know i mean all the yeah. things that happen, you know in a day and 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 it's you know that that part's important and it's and it's putting out a lot of fires but but what's so incredible is the art of music and um that's really ultimately what drives me at the end of the day oh yeah mm -hmm. so what are some of your what are some of your favorite pieces to to do well, that's, that's a funny question. People ask me that like on a regular basis and it's usually the pieces I'm working on at the moment. So next, uh, this Saturday coming up a week from uh, yesterday, uh, we're doing Beethoven nine and I programmed it mm -hmm. with um, handle fire, uh, the fireworks. And I think that's going to be really fun for the orchestra. Handle's quite difficult actually. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we're going to take a brief intermission and, and perform Beethoven nine in honor of his birthday. Like everybody is celebrating this yeah. year, <laughs> 50 years, but I felt like we had to, and I love Beethoven and I love the symphony and uh, it's exciting to of course, put the chorus and all the soloists together. It's really such an incredible piece. And mm -hmm. um, it's a great, it's a great piece for, for a community such as this and everybody will come out for it. So, um, but then the next day we go into rehearsals for Sweeney Todd. So talk about it. <laughs> what a juxtaposition. Oh my God. I know. Right. But you know, it's funny because um, Sondheim's turning 90 this year. So oh, really? a lot of birthday celebrations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll be, and that's, those are two really specific pieces that'll definitely bring in audience members who wouldn't go to a regular classical series. Exactly. And, and, you know, sometimes we have to program like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, usually it's the music that I'm working on, but you know, I love all kinds of music and I, I've conducted um, a lot in Holland. So I can, I've conducted a lot of music okay. fresh off the press. Um, yeah. I was the music director of the Cincinnati Composers Guild for several years. And I, I've, I've just conducted a lot of new music and um, love doing that. Um, now with orchestras that I've been music director of or guest conduct, I'm very, um, very interested in programming that music, but I'm also very sensitive to um, what will work and what might not work. And yeah. it's tough sometimes, you know, because I'd love to do more of it. And I feel sometimes that I can't do as much as I'd like only because of, of the fact that, that it's sometimes just not right for a, a specific program or a, a specific area. And um, I mean, not all music, obviously, but I, I and I, I hate the word accessible, but sometimes you have to educate your audience and start with pieces that are very addictive. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then you can gradually get to music that's just a little more daring. And that's what I did in Williamsburg. I, I would play music that I thought was very uh, easy to listen to. And then we got just maybe a little bit more off, off of the beaten track and they really enjoyed that and we would bring composers in and I think that's really important I'd like to do some commissioning too especially with the festival yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's that's fantastic to be able to do that so yeah and if you're in a community you know that you know then and you know there's going to be support for that I think bringing in new art that originates from from where you are is a really important thing um, you know for for orchestras of this size and and communities communities like this I agree. And, you know, um, where we're located, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of close to uh, Chicago. We're kind of close to, you know, we're like kind of in the middle here. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of cities that we can get to within driving distance in a pretty a relatively short period of time. So, yeah, but you're right. Uh, and there are so many great musicians in the Midwest. 
Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, and we have so many amazing musicians that come from IU that play with us. Mm-hmm. These are great, you know, they're graduate students and they're terrific. And oh, yeah. uh, before I got here, they did not audition. Um, people would kind of be word of mouth, you know, as one of those orchestras. Oh, yeah, here's good. Let's bring them in. But now we're auditioning and they're, they're just top notch and they're fantastic. We also started a really great program. It's called the, um, it's a, it's a, where we bring in an IU conducting fellow. It's called mm-hmm. the, um, Jacob School of Music IU Conducting Fellow Program. And um, last year, it was the first year. And so what I did was I went and I watched their lab orchestra um, and I watched them all conduct. And we um, hired um, Pablo uh, de Diego. He's fantastic. And um, he's Spanish and he's wonderful. And he's in his, uh, I believe, his second year of his DNA. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's been here for a year. And um, he conducted on part of a concert and I'm giving him a concert for kids um, which is the day after our run of Sweeney Todd. So I asked him if he would yeah. be willing to step in and he was like, sure. So that's great. So <laughs> he's going to, you know, and it's good for him to be able to do an educational concert. That's a yeah. lot of what he'll end up doing if he gets a, an assistantship with an American orchestra. Um, and then what we're going to do this year. And I, we just didn't have time last year because it got approved. The budget got approved for the fellowship kind of late, but what we're going to do this year is have an actual audition where they come and work with the orchestra um, uh, we'll have two specific days where the students will come and work with the orchestra and the orchestra will vote. And, um, we'll just hire the one that got the most votes to come and work with us next year. Is that open or still just IU? Well, right now we've been doing just IU, um, but, but that's up for discussion. We're having a staff meeting about that. Um, we really like the collaboration with them. It's a really, uh, it's such a great school and they have a fantastic um, conducting program. Oh, yeah. So that's what it's been um, just this year and probably next year, but we might open it up to CCM and we might actually open it up to other people. But the thing is they're close by. Yeah. Exactly. And the budget is only so much, you know, we don't have to put them up or fly them in and, and they're fantastic. And it's just nice for them to have on the resume and hopefully yeah. it's a kickstart for them to go and, maybe then get an assistantship or, or whatever, you know, they're all, they're, they're pretty, that, that's a great school. I mean, that school's very um, interested in opera. They, they're, they're very, yes. you know, it's Arthur Fagan is fantastic and they work with him a lot. And um, so there's a, there's a heavy influence of opera conducting as well, but it's just been great working with him, you know, and I, and I said to him, you should go and, and meet with the staff and just feel free to come to a board meeting and, um, just be part of, see, see how it all works because mm-hmm. it's so different being in school. Um, and I remember, I remember those days and they're fantastic. They're, they're great days. Yeah. But then you think to yourself, am I going to get a gig? Is this gonna <laughs> you know, how am I, how do I do this? And, you know, my, my advice to any young conductor, and I think, I think this is really great advice would be conduct as much as you can and accept every gig you get. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I would I would put orchestras together. I would get my friends to play and faculty to solo. I would take any job that was given to me because I just thought I just need to learn how to do this. I just yeah. want to I just want as much experience as I can. And you know, when I conduct now, um, I I don't I never practice conducting. I just I just I I never work on technique. I, that's for me. Uh, I I think that you know if you have a, a, a strong standard technique. Um, that you you can probably do fine. It's what what you need to do and spend hours. And I I spend hours every day is studying. Yeah, knowing the score so much, having a an idea, a really concrete idea of what it is that you want to do in rehearsal, 
where you want to get um, from each rehearsal from A to B and how you're going to get there and the sound that you want and the quality of, of what it is that you're doing, the tempo, uh, the feel. The, so, so when I went to Savannah, an orchestra I had never worked with, and we played four really different pieces, I had a very concrete idea of how each piece should, should go. And, and so it's only when you get there and you start working with them that you realize what it is that you need to do. And that's where you need to, mm-hmm. to just, you know, you have two and a half hours. So you're, you're just in that high gear of what to fix, what not to fix. Oh, they'll get back tomorrow and, and just, you know, start doing your work. And that takes so, so much time to learn, I think. Because oh, yeah. when you're, you know, when you're a young conductor, it's, it's about your technique. And, and then you think, well, what am I going to say if it sounds good? You know? <laughs> you know, I mean, if it's so good, how do I, you know, and then you stop and you just say things to say things because you don't know really, you know, and it's, it's scary. And it takes a long time, I think, to learn how to rehearse. And I think that's probably the hardest part. And by the time you get to the performance, your work is pretty much done. Yeah. You know, you've done, you've done it. And now you're just out there and they know what to do and they've got to pull it out and you have to inspire them to do the best, to play the best that they can. But it's a, you know, um, we're so lucky to be conductors because our lives are so filled with, with such incredible learning every day, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's, whether it's history or, or religion or different cultures or whatever it is. It's so, we're just so lucky because it never ends and we're never like done. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, okay, I, put in my- <laughs> I, I know how to do this. It's not like that. It's not like that. And, yeah. and, the, and the older you get, the, the more you realize how much you really don't know, you know? I yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> no, and music touches just absolutely every facet of, of, of life and history and religion and, and literature and poetry and art and, and history and just just absolutely everything and <laughs> there's there's never enough life for for how much music there is to do exactly and you know if you're playing a piece you need to know all that about that piece you know i mean it's it's so important to know your stuff and i listened to your great podcast where um it was all about um, what you need to know as a conductor it was it was basic but it was mm-hmm. fantastic and and it's so true you know, you have to have great ears and you have to have great technique. You have to have great technique. But once you have that great technique, you have it. Um, you know, do you have to practice it every day? It's, I don't think it's like being a, an instrumentalist where if you have great technique and that's, you know, you got, you definitely need to learn that right away. Um, you need to learn all your beat patterns in, in every kind of possible musical expression that you can. That's mm-hmm. really, really important. But once you learn that, you have that. And then it becomes muscle memory. I think, I mean, I think that, that you're, you, you know, how to conduct a legato and you know how to conduct a beautiful uh, sforzando and, and you know how to cue and you know how to separate your hands. So you're not mirroring and doing the same thing. You, you learn all that, that, that you can learn pretty quickly over time, you know, in the beginning, but, but to be a great musician, to have great ears, to learn about people, you need to know your, you need to know your people. You know, if you're, if your mm-hmm. orchestra comes in and they're in a really bad mood for whatever reason, Maybe the contract negotiations aren't going well, or maybe um, they are on the last day before a much needed vacation, whatever it is, you need to be aware of that and be sensitive to that, you know, but it doesn't mean you need to change or be mediocre or be, um, you know, lax at all, Mm -hmm. but you need to just be very sensitive as a human being to other human beings and be decent and be respectful. Um, because you're in it together, you know, you just happen to have a really cool, great, fantastic job, but so do they, 
you know, they're, oh, they yeah. might be, you know, they're playing, they might be playing contra bassoon or they, or principal oboe, but, but they have a pretty cool job too, but they're one of many. And you're just the one standing up there who has, you know, the job that everyone looks at and, and oohs and ahs, but it's not about that. It just, and, and I think there's, I, I actually think most conductors today will agree with me on that, but I still think there's some of the diva stuff going around and, and right. I see it and I just think, come on, you know, that, that for me, it, it just ruins everything because it is such a partnership and it is, you know, we need the, the we need them to, to play the best they can. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. rely on that. And, um, you know, but you also have to be their a leader, and you have to be able yeah. to fix things and, and say things that sometimes are are uh, uh, criticizing, but they have to be done in a in a really uh, positive way that 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 is encouraging and successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, we're working so much with music, but we're also working so much with people. If you're, if you're a pianist or a lot of instrumentalists, you can kind of get away with not, you know, with not ever, (laughs) not interacting, but you know, it's, it's, it's not critical to your job that to be pleasant and be able to work with other people, like not just to get by, but you know, we've got to, we've got to be really adept at working with people. One of our, one of our recent interviews, the, the guest outlined the three things that you need to be conductor. The third one was technique. The second was musicianship and the first was leadership. So I'm really happy to, to, to hear you emphasizing how important that leadership is. Um, oh, and that, absolutely. And that, that goes to the community as well. I think knowing, knowing the, the people who are attending your concerts, knowing the people on your orchestra staff is, is, is so important to, to working with them. It's absolutely true. And I have a fantastic staff here. My team is unbelievable. They've changed since I've been here just for various reasons. And they are so great. And, you know, we're constantly sending texts and and emails, but it's fun. I mean, we really have fun, but we get the work done. And sometimes it's grueling, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. music hasn't come in and or the wrong music came in or um, you, you know, we're, we're looking for a player cause someone got sick at the last minute, you know, and we're, you know, sometimes it's just normal. It's yeah. just what happens when you're in this kind of profession, but we, we just get along really well. And I'm originally from New York and I'm pretty fast and I have this <laughs> energy about me and they always joke about it, you know, like, and I, like the, the other day we were talking, I said, well, you know, I'm not really the most patient person. They're all like, Oh really? Like we haven't noticed, <laughs> you know? but they could say that to me. And I was just, yeah. Sort of laughing, you know, and I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, there was, there was nothing uh, th- that I thought was, was negative or mean about it. It mm-hmm. was obvious, you know, and I'm like, well, you just got to have to deal with the guys because I'm not going to change. And they laughed, you know, so everyone just understands everybody. And, you know, you're absolutely right. If you're a concert pianist, you know, you're in your practice room eight hours a day, eight to 10 hours a day, you're playing and then you play your concerto and you, you just get, you know, you, you go to the orchestra gig, you sit down, you, you play your rehearsal, then you play your concert, but you're, and you're interacting musically with the conductor of the yeah. orchestra, but you're, but you're not dealing with the board. You're not dealing <laughs> with the staff. They might pick you up and drive you to your hotel, but you're not a day to day working with people. And it's a whole different ball game. And, you know, guest conductors aren't either, frankly, but as a music director, it's daily. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have to be able to get down and dirty into the, into the trenches and, and be part of it. But I'm really getting good at delegating. And once everybody, because we have some new staff members and they're learning 
you know, their roles and what they're doing. Now that we're, we're all clicking, it's just great. I know I can leave town and be gone, you know, somewhere else working or, um, I have a home in Maine. I can be in Maine and they're just like totally great. You know, yeah. they can email me if they need something. If not, <laughs> I know they're, they're getting everything done. It's fantastic. Yeah. Could you tell us about a time where I think one of our, one of our questions was kind of like a, a failure. Could you tell us about a time where, where something wasn't going right and how you, and how you dealt with it? Yeah, let me think. Um, well, I've had a couple of things that were tough. Um, so one thing that happened was um, I was working, this was a, a, a while ago. I, well, in recent years, I can't really think of much, but I, mm-hmm. I was working with an orchestra um, where somebody was brought in on in, on the staff and in a pretty high position, an artistic administrator position. And I was the number two conductor. And everything was going great. You know, I got along great with the orchestra, with the music director, everything was fine. And this person came in and um, the music director was um, asked to, to leave. And so uh, there was going to be a music director search and this was a pretty big orchestra. And I, so I was just doing my job and it was really tough because I was doing a lot of covering. I was doing a lot of conducting, but also a lot of covering. I was the only one on staff. So I mean, I, I worked several weeks and I was just exhausted. It was, uh, you know, because when you're covering, you have to really be ready to go on. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you're covering for all the guests and you're covering for the music director and then you're conducting your concerts and it was exhausting. So this, they brought this person in because they were known for doing searches, but but it, it was not a good mix with me. And and I I was really keeping my nose to the ground and I, was, I wasn't a troublemaker. And, but for some reason... Um, they took some of my concerts away because they wanted to give it to potential candidates and mm. it just got really, it got really, really ugly. And I, and I ended up leaving. I, at the end of that year, I said, I'm, I'm, this isn't working for me. I'm, I'm out. And, and I didn't really have anything lined up and you really shouldn't be doing that, but I just couldn't stay there. Yeah. And it turned out that they, nobody liked this guy, but, <laughs> but when this all happened with me, that person was new. And so they, you know, they, they kind of, they didn't really know that how bad and mean and vicious he was, mm-hmm. but it was a nightmare for me. Going to work was horrible. I hated it. And I thought, Oh my gosh, here I am a young conductor and now I have to leave and what's going to happen. So actually I have two, two, two sons and they were sort of young. So at that time I just thought, well, let me just see, you know, I mean, I'm a mom, so it's not like I'm not busy. Um, and then what I did was I, 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 I had some guests conducting lined up for the following year and I did, I did my best at that. You know, you never know. Um, they weren't, they weren't final, they weren't um, positions. They were or, or uh, auditions. They were just guest conducting. So I did that. And then I sort of laid low and I just started, I was just studying a lot. And then I started to apply for jobs, but I was, I remember being kind of nervous and thinking, what if I don't get a gig? I mean, if yeah. I don't get a job, I'm done, you know? <laughs> and, and I was like, that was really scary. Yeah. And I actually, I got my job with, with Williamsburg and then I started, you know, I got back, you know, on track and everything, but you know, I would say to anybody listening to this podcast, you might go through something really scary where you think, wow, this is never going to happen for me. I'm going to be, this is just not going to happen. Um, I'm not feeling it. I'm not, I'm getting rejections. You know, you can, cause you can, you can send a lot of letters in and get a lot of rejections. You know, if, if three, 400 people are applying, I get it. Yeah. But my advice is just keep going because it, something will happen. It, it just will. And it might not be your dream job, but that's okay because take that job and do your best because 
there are stepping stones and then you'll, you'll get that job and then you'll hear about another one and it might take you longer than than you thought to get to that job that you really love, but you will get there. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in, in being tenacious and being patient and of course, working hard, that goes without saying, and you have to work 150%. You just can never slack off in this business, but you can always know and that, that you're true to your art. And that's a great thing to have because that's your own and no one can take that away from you. And so just keep at it because something will happen. I mean, if you're completely like not talented, you'll, you'll learn that. You'll know that, um, you know, okay? I mean, because you won't get into that program at school and you won't get accolades and you'll just know, wow, this isn't for me. You know, you'll know that it's, it's just something will happen. You know, not everyone who takes piano lessons is going to be a concert pianist. Mm-hmm. However, if you want to be a conductor, you know, I mean, I, 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 I had some great things happen along the way that told me I would make it, you know, just fantastic things. And, and, that, that that will happen. You know, things will happen that will give you that stamp of approval and just keep going because, you know, then you'll, you'll, you'll be making it and you'll be thinking, this is what I've been working for my whole life. And yeah, I wake up every day and I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world because I do exactly what I want to do every day mm-hmm. of my life. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great to be able to do such, I mean, it's, it's hard work, but it's, um, I mean, it's really competitive too, you know, so here I am now, um, I'm with an orchestra that's great, um, uh, getting greater all the time and I'm in the Midwest and, you know, there are some, some really big jobs out there that are open and you think, wow, wouldn't that, you know, and you dream sometimes about, about those jobs, but, um, I don't really do that because you can drive yourself crazy about, you know, the politics or the, the, Oh, I don't know how some people get jobs. I don't, I don't really know the positioning that they are in or Mm -hmm. the managers they have and all that. Um, and I guess people at, at, in my position could go crazy if, if you, if you sat around and thought about that, but I think, I think it's, it's really good. And I think when you're younger, you do, you know, you think, well, how do you get that? How do you get that manager? How do you get that person? Um, and management's interesting. You know, that's a whole, you can do a whole show on that. You know, some management's great and some management, you know, I've had management and sometimes it's worked for me. And sometimes I thought, well, I'm getting all the gigs and they're not really doing much for me, but just, you know, taking a portion of, of what I'm making and, yeah. and I didn't feel really well represented. So, um, but you know, everybody's different and everyone's got a different scenario, but I think that the best thing to do is cause that's, that's a, a real waste of time and energy, even though we all go through it. Um, in our lives. But, but I think the best thing to do is just look for the opportunities that can work for you and do your best. And I'm also really learning really, really well um, how important it is to take time off and, mm-hmm. you know, take vacations and, you know, read a book and, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, do things that aren't related to music necessarily and just really have that downtime and have friends that you can just, you know, chill with and, and not have to always be working. Cause I, I come from a family of workaholics. My, um, my parents were both in show business, if you will. My mom was a producer on Broadway and my yeah. father, uh, was a, uh, my father just passed away in August and he was a lighting designer, but he worked on, um, SNL, uh, the mm-hmm. tonight show and Seth Meyers. So he was around like the most famous people yeah. you know, all the time. And he was an incredible person. And, he was the first one at the studio and the last one to leave at the end of the day. And he's my role model and I'm kind of the same, you know, I just, you work till you get it right. And so um, I really miss him, but uh, every day he's with me and, and uh, you know, just looking down saying, Jana, you just keep going, you know, you're doing your <laughs> thing, just keep going. So 
but um yeah it's really it's really good though to to find a balance and not be too uh too intense all the time i think it's really good to to find a great balance between work and not working yeah yeah well and we need you know we need some space to to let to let our brains just bubble around a little bit and yeah um and also to live cuz <laughs> music is is all of life not just not just the music and you've, you know, when you talk to people, you've got to be a, a human and not just a conducting machine. Exactly. And, you know, you went, like if you travel, if you go on a vacation, you learn so much and, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be in Vienna to be learning, you know, you can be on a beach somewhere, you know, in the, in the Caribbean and go, wow, this is like, I'm, you know, I'm seeing things that I haven't seen before. It's, it's just opening your eyes. And, um, you know, it's, it's just such a funny business because it's, it's just so, it's so much, uh, you know, of this audition process and, um, getting into the schools that you want and all that. So, so much of it is, is having a good day um, or knowing somebody or you, you just, you just never really know um, how the day is going to be when you have something like that coming up. Um, but, you know, I've done so much of that in my life and this is really the first time in my life where, and I've been doing this a while, you know, I've, I mean, I, I've never really had another job other than, than being a conductor. Um well, actually, in college, I waited tables to pay for lessons, but that was <laughs> that was a long time ago. But um, I think that you know, I'm, I I feel so much better now because I feel like um, right now I don't think about the auditions and I don't think about the interviews really or any of that because I'm working a lot. And yeah. um, but gosh, you know, even ten years ago um, or before Williamsburg, I should say. Um, when I didn't really know, I, I would think, gosh, this is all I want to do in a really steady way and, and pay my bills and put some money away for retirement. How do, how is that ever going to happen? What a dream. It's the dream job. You know, yeah. it's just like the greatest job. And I, I really do believe that we're so lucky to be conductors and to be able to be mentors to young people and our educational concerts that we do, any education concert that we do, or go just even visiting the schools, whatever is just so incredibly important and the way they see us and the way we present music to them and, and how what we do is just so mm-hmm. so unique and special and I think kids really react to it we do a concert every year where all the fifth graders come and uh, we, we have a huge hall and so we we fill it twice with the kids in fifth grade wow. and they're they're about to choose their instruments and we make uh. those concerts. yeah and they're so cute and, and, and we make those concerts incredibly fun they're educational but they're really fun and then, and then we do another concert where we invite kids up on the stage and they can sit wherever they want and we do it by oh, age groups. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And we start with the little babies and up to like three and they come on with their parents and we play really mm-hmm. soft music. And by the time we get to high schoolers, you know, we're playing pretty rock and music and yeah. really, really, <laughs> really fun, you know, because they, they, you know, they'll, they'll sit next to the trombones or they'll sit in the viola section or, you know, sometimes they sit right in front of me. Um, Cause they just, and, and they, they feel the, the energy of the of the orchestra, which is, as you know, pretty exciting, and they're right there. So we're trying to do things that really get people into the hall for the first time, and we hope mm-hmm. that by that they'll maybe come to a Masterworks concert or a Pops concert or maybe just a special event or whatever, and just become our friends. And yeah. we're you know we're out in the public a lot, just trying to you know, and music's for everybody. I mean. I've heard on your podcast, you know, every, every, we, we all have the same message that, you know, I mean, ma- imagine a day without music. It, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and everybody, everybody agrees to that. A- anybody that you talk to would agree. 
that music is a part of their life. Now, you know, they might listen to country, they might listen to rap, they might listen to heavy metal, whatever it is, but music is something that, that they enjoy or they, they know that they would miss it because it's in commercials or it's in the movies that they love or whatever. So I always say, imagine your life without music. And then I say, you know, you should just give us a shot because I, I, I think that if you, if you come into the hall, which is gorgeous, and we make you feel welcome and you hear some music that you recognize or that you maybe never heard before or that's brand new, that's fresh off the press and the composer's telling you why they wrote it, pretty interesting and, and you know really the, the percentage of people that will come is pretty high and then they come yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. they just then they love it and they're then they're they're you know they're and then they, they start coming regularly and then when you see them they tell you what they liked or maybe what they they didn't understand or what they thought was kind mm -hmm. of you know and it's then it becomes a conversation and then it becomes really part of what makes a city have a soul yeah. it becomes part of not only you know the fire department and the great schools, <laughs> and the, but also the orchestra, and that it's a real integral part of the of the community, and that's that's what we're trying to do here, and I think we're making a great impact. Yeah, and I love you know back to the experiences that we were talking about earlier, giving letting them hear something that they recognize live with a full orchestra, or I love having the um, having the kids come up on the stage and sit wherever they'd like in the orchestra. It's really because they're they're going to remember that. I mean, I went to, I went to education concerts when I was younger, you know, I saw Peter and the Wolf in fourth grade and I don't remember anything about it. But <laughs> if, but if I had been invited to go up on the stage and, you know, sit behind the orchestra and look at everything from the other side, um, you know, instead of an ocean of children on the other, you know, out in the audience, I think that would have been much more in fact impactful. I think so too because I think you would remember the visual. I agree yes, with that. Yeah, definitely the visual aspect. I mean, that. that's that's why all these film concerts are so. Um, you know, people come to you know they see Harry Potter and the orchestra's yeah. playing playing live. They're really we're doing one of those next year. It's very successful. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. It's funny because you know the orchestra here they did some pops. Um, but when I first got here uh, two years ago, I was pushing for a pop series, like a, a substantial series, yeah. much more than what we were doing. And, and I, I said to the board, you know, orchestras that never used to play the pops before, major orchestras are playing them now. Yeah. I said, because that's what a, a big majority of the, of, not majority, but a big, a big uh, percentage of the population wants to hear those concerts. And I got them convinced. And so now we're doing a, a big series and they're all very concerts, but they're fantastic. And, and they're really important to play and they're really fun. And, you know, as an American conductor, an American musician, those concerts are part of my heritage. I mean, it's much more natural for me to conduct a, a concert of Frank Sinatra than yeah. it is of doing <laughs> Anton Webern, you know? I mean, because I relate to that music. Um, yeah. Anton Webern, I had to really study to understand. And it, it, um, of course, I understand it now, but it's, it, I didn't grow up with Anton Webern. That, that wasn't music, you know, or, or Schoenberg or Shostakovich. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. And doing... So, doing concerts with local, you know, with local bands or local jazz groups is, is again, a big connection to the, to the roots where you are. We can bring in as many foreign or not foreign, but, but um, guest artists from other areas. And that's, that's fun because they're coming in from a different area. But when you can feature something that's, that's from the community, then that attracts more audiences. And it's, I think it's a lot more impactful for them. I definitely agree with that. And living close to Indianapolis where there's a really big music scene, there's there's a really great jazz club 
and there's some um, there's a there are a lot of jingles and there's a lot of commercial music uh, oh, done yeah. in the area. So there are some great musicians uh, in this area, and when we bring them in, oh, the audience loves it. But they also they like the I think they like the variety. I think they like when we bring people from far away. So the first year was called Jan and Friends, and I brought in a lot of people I've worked with in the past that I love, and they they okay. really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um. But but I also bring in you know local musicians and artists, and they love that too. I think um it's 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 finding again the balance and the variety. And mm-hmm. and then they then they're they're more apt to buy a subscription because they never know what they're going to get and they know they're going to get it all if you will you know because we're going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and they yeah. love that yeah which which Harry Potter are you doing well you know funny uh, we're thinking of doing either uh, the first one or it's also it's between that or Star Wars so we're, we're pricing them both <laughs> out now <laughs> yeah yeah so. Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, I I'm up for either one. Um, I just want to get our community, you know, behind it and excited about it. And I've done some oh, yeah. research, and they're both like really big sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, as is like the Beatles show. Everybody loves the Beatles show, and there are some great pop shows out there now that are just legit and fantastic and high mm-hmm. quality. And I remember when I was doing pop shows, you know, I used to, I, I still I still do this, but I try to do it less and less. Um, you know, start from scratch and design a show and yeah. arrange music and bring in different people. Um, it's, it's so much work. It takes months and months and months to do, especially if you're doing arrangements. I enjoy yeah. it because it's, it's a one of a kind. Um, but there are so many packages now that I just think are fantastic. And I would recommend so many different shows I've done to people. And, you know, audiences, you know, not every audience is, you know, they didn't go to music school. They don't know some of this classical music and we can't expect them to come to a pops concert and, you know, buy a subscription to the masterworks. It's not a given that that's going to happen, nor should we expect that. If it does, it's it's a pleasant surprise and it's a wonderful gift. But because that might not happen, we need to be able to present music for that portion of the audience. And the pops, I I believe, is really important. Um, And we talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about collaborations. We talked about education. Um, of course, the, the masterworks, we have, you know, that's the creme de la creme the, and mm-hmm. the, the mainstay of what we do. Um, and then the pops and, and, you know, think about all those types of concerts. Well, that's years and years of programming right there. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So many. I like what one of the things one of the orchestras does here is they play with a lot of new groups and it is very expensive and it's a lot of money and everything to to get new charts for everything. But then they always they always do a couple numbers that feature just the orchestra on those on those pops concerts. Um, yeah, yeah, I do that too. I, you know, because the orchestra will uh, the audience will complain that they didn't hear the orchestra enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes a guest artist will come in and they'll they'll send they'll send the, the set sheet, you know, and I'll look at it and then I'll ask the manager or the artist. Um, is there, you know, did you want the orchestra to play? And their typical response is, it's up to you. And, yeah. and sometimes I'll just put something on that will go with the program. Um, I remember I did a concert once with James Taylor. It was fantastic. And oh, cool. I, I remember he was so amazing. And, and one of the things he said was, uh, this, this is about uh, me playing with your orchestra. So I don't want to be in the, in the, you know, the stadium, I don't want to be in some huge convention center. I want to be in the orchestra's home. That was number one. And number two, he wanted the orchestra to play an opening piece. And then the whole first half was beautiful. He sang some Copeland American songs. You know, he was really, it was really, really cool. 
Um, and then intermission. And then the second half was all his stuff. And it That's was, awesome. the, and the arrangements were out of sight. They were fantastic. I hope to do that show again. I don't know yeah. if he, he does that much anymore, but it was so great. So great. Well, and I never thought of, of a guest art, you know, a, a pop artist coming in and doing classical things with with the orchestra i think that's that's just a fan I, I wasn't expecting you to say that and i love that idea i don't know why why it doesn't happen more often well you know that's a, i don't i don't know if everyone would be capable of doing that yeah. but i mean certain artists like you think about somebody like sting he could do that oh yeah um because he can probably you know he can sing anything um and you think about there there are some musicians that i think could really do that i we, we did a concert last year with michael feinstein michael feinstein has a big a connection to the Palladium where we play the, the center for the performing arts here in Carmel. He's uh, like the artistic director. So we do a lot of American songbook um, mm -hmm. activities and there's going to be an American songbook museum here in Carmel. Oh, cool. So Michael, Michael comes and he performs a couple times a year. And so we played with him last year. And what was so amazing about that show was, I mean, his knowledge of that repertoire is just incredible. And his arrangements were, were top notch. And, I was so nervous because um, I wanted him to be so pleased with me at being the new conductor. <laughs> and, you know, I'm normally not that nervous, but I knew that he was so specific and he really liked things a certain way. Yeah. So um, I was just really pleased because after the, the rehearsal, he just pulled me aside. He said, Janet, you, you know, you really get this music. And I was just beaming. And I said to him, <laughs> you know, Michael, I, I grew up because my parents used to listen to, you know, the Rat Pack, we yeah. listen to that music. And and so I said, I, I, he said, but you know, you get the rhythm and you just get it. And I'm just, I'm really, really happy to, to work with you. And the concert was great. And, you know, there's a guy that, you know, he, he's playing all the, these standards. And while he didn't play classical music, he didn't really combine the genres, but there was such an array of music that he put on that program. And, and oh, it was so much fun. And he did feature the orchestra a few times. And I, I was really impressed with that program. And we're looking at doing another one, um, uh, coming up so um yeah but i agree with you i think that when you when you have um I, I used to do a new year's eve concert where the first half was viennese you know we would okay. play the waltzes and all and then intermission we would turn everything around and do big bands and that was oh, for new fun. year's eve people loved that yeah and we're looking at doing that again um here in carmel so yeah I, I think the combination of concerts where you can combine pops with classical is pretty cool i mean think about you know that, that's kind of what was done in boston a long time ago Mm -hmm. You know, they would mix um, light, light American classics with more popular music. And I think it's a recipe for success. Yeah, well, and then it makes me think of even, you know, back in the day, they would have concerts, they would have variety concerts, like, um, we, we just did Beethoven 5 last night, and, and I was talking to someone about the premiere, and, the, you know, they had Vinny and the Sixth Symphony and the Choral Fantasy and a bunch of arias, and, you know, they would mix it up like that. It wasn't always those those strict programs, so they would have more popular music on the concerts, and and then, you know, at some point it kind of became all, you know, high art, sit quietly and and, <laughs> and everything. Yeah, I think, you know, that's where I think we're changing. I think that if you do a, con can you imagine anybody programming um, their classical subscription concerts with concerts like just that nowadays? No, yeah. I mean, there are so, I mean, everyone's doing contemporary music, which we should be doing, which mm -hmm. is, you know, was, well, I wouldn't call it pop music, but I mean, it's music written by composers today. Mm -hmm. And so many people are even on those classical concerts throwing in some 
film music and lighter music, if you will. It's still, oh, yeah. I mean, you play John Williams, that music is really difficult. And very, <laughs> no, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and very orchestral and very, you know, uh, symphonic. So that music, I mean, but people think, wow, they're playing John Williams, I'm going to go. You know, they might not yeah. go for the Mahler, but they'll come for the John Williams. So everybody's doing that now because it's, um, it's just really, really a tough sell. And I think I get it. You know, when you look at the world today and you look at, well, forget technology, but, you know, just the, the, the incredible attention that sports has, the incredible, you know, the movies, um, just the freedom that people have to just get in their car and go shopping and, and just the accessibility of everything today. Mm -hmm. It's just, a, it's a really hard uh, compete. And so I don't think we should try and compete. I think that, and I think that we all know that. So what we're trying to do now is to say, okay, we've got this great orchestra and we want to play for our community. So what's the best way we can do that? Yeah. You know, what's going to bring them in? Um, it might not be a Beethoven cycle. It could be, it could be, but it, you know, in, in some town it might not be. So what can we do to make it work? Um, and, you know, maybe that Beethoven cycle can be done in four years, but maybe right now mm, that might not be the, the best thing to do. You mm -hmm. know, I did a concert in Costa Rica once and it was a concert of all Beethoven and they programmed it. And I thought, oh, gosh, this is never going to sell. It was <laughs> and it was absolutely packed yeah. to the rafters because they, they that's just what they they loved it. They absolutely loved it. But I don't know if I went to some other city um, in a, ro a remote part of the United States and did that if people would fly. I don't know. It really mm -hmm. depends on that city and uh how, how it's how it's presented and of course the other thing that's really really huge is marketing um yeah. how is the word getting out to your community and you know if you're at a university it's kind of built in that the orchestra's playing everyone's excited and there's posters all up all around <laughs> the school and everybody knows about it but in a community you know if you don't have a great marketing director who's getting the word out in the papers and, and all that yeah. um so it's, there, there are so many things that go into it, but that's the fascinating part of being with an orchestra on a day-to-day -day basis. Cause you know, that then you start talking about development. Well, you know, how do you as a music director help in fundraising? Well, you can help a great deal. Um, you know, we, I just did a pitch the other day with our executive director and a board member. And the pitch was to a, a giant um, organization here. And I talked about, the, the importance of music and programming coming up that I was excited about and educational concerts. The executive director talked about um, the different ways that they could give financially. And the board member talked about the responsibility of the board. And mm -hmm. it was like a trifecta. You know, we all had our different <laughs> little speeches. And, and, the, and, and we, were, we were pitching to somebody who just, I mean, they were so excited about it. And we think yeah. we're, we're going to get a, a, a great grant. And so we were really, really happy about that. But, you know, that's another part of the job that, that you have to do. But it doesn't really have to do with conducting, but it has to do with being a music director. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, back to leadership and, and, and knowing, knowing the people that you're interacting with and, and working with and the people that you rely on and the people rely on you. It's, 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 a, it's, a, big, it's a big everything. <laughs> exactly. It's a big exactly. Job. It really is. Um, you mentioned right at the beginning of our talk, um, you know, raising, you know, expanding, expanding the symphony there. Is that primarily through audience or, or through development? Um, you know, what, what is that? What does that look like for the orchestra? Yeah. So for me, um, I, I consider myself a builder. Um, and I say that because I've done that now four times where I've taken a specific situation and made it 
uh, much bigger and mm-hmm. it, it, it encompasses a lot. So um, taking an orchestra and artistically um, making them better. So that's huge. You know, so how do you do that? You know, and what, what is it that you do to, to do that? So basically um, that's with um, in rehearsal, you know, working on ensemble playing, working on intonation, working on um, uh, certain things um, like this orchestra used to um, play a phrase and often they would put a big accent on the end of the phrase. It was just something that they were yeah. used to doing. And so that's something that drives me crazy. Sometimes it's in the music, but often it isn't. And a phrase, a phrase can often, the apex is in the middle of the phrase, so the ending should not have a big accent on it. And mm-hmm. so it was just simple things to me, but but to them it was just it was just something that they, they were doing. And yeah. that took a while because they were used to doing it together for so long. So it was things like that and just working on details. So that's artistic development. And some of the, some of the chairs had to change and that's always very, very difficult to come in. But my, my recommendation or, or my, my way is to come in and work with an orchestra for one or two years and make no changes um, <laughs> and just work with people. Yeah. And then if, if you have to make a change, you have to make a change. So there were some changes, but, um, and, and I hate, that's the worst part of the job, I think. But um, then there's once you have uh, an artistic vision um, of sound and quality of playing that you want to change, then you, you're able to pro- possibly program differently um, mm-hmm. because there are, there's pieces that you can now play because you feel that technically things are changing within the orchestra. So, but but that also goes to raising more money to be able to maybe bring in better soloists or higher paid soloists, I should say, or m- more well-known soloists, mm-hmm. audience development. Um, it's, it's, it goes down, the, it's, it's a huge spiral of growth. And so what I did to make it very understandable, because this is like, I do this 24 seven in my head, <laughs> but what, what, you know, to, to yeah. explain this to a board of directors, what I did was I wrote a five-year artistic plan and in that plan, I talked about all the elements of growth, and it included um, marketing and development, but not not to such a degree as the artistic side, because I'm not a marketing director, mm-hmm. nor am I a development director. But I started an orchestra in Maine, and I ran it for seven years, and I wore all those hats, and I know how to do a lot of those jobs, but I wouldn't call, call myself a marketing director. I mean, I... I, I know what it takes to do the job, but I, I, that's not what I do. So, but I did put in, in there what I thought it would take to get the word out more in the community um, of the great work that the orchestra is doing. Because the orchestra yeah. does not only just great concerts, but we do go to – we started a program where we go are, uh, are going into schools and going to retirement communities and into hospitals and yeah. playing for people. Mm-hmm. And that's really good work. And, oh, yeah. and I, I want, hey, I want people to know about that. So, so, um, so we're working on, on getting the word out about some of these, these cool programs that we're doing, but so it's growth in every area. Um, and I think, um, you know, when you take an orchestra as Carm such as Carmel, uh, we're going into our 45th season and a lot of these orchestras, you know, they started, people got together and they said, hey, let's start an orchestra, you know, <laughs> uh, and that's how Williamsburg started. And that's how this orchestra started. And, you know, so they started and, and then, you know, they got to a certain level and then they thought, well, gosh, we need a little more money. And, you know, so the, and, and they went along and now we're at this level where we're playing in a state of the art theater. It is, I mean, I hope yeah. everyone will look at the Center for the Performing Arts, the Palladium and Carmel. They will 
fall off their chair when they see this incredible <laughs> theater. It, it was built by uh, 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 the same guys that built the, the theater in Nashville. And it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And um, so what's so incredible about it is the visual sight lines are amazing. The acoustics are incredible and it's dropped gorgeous. And the wow. outside of it looks like an Italian uh, yeah. it was built on a, on a beautiful Italian um, villa in, in, in Italy. So, um, it's just gorgeous. <laughs> and because Michael Feinstein is associated, there's memorabilia all throughout the theater. So in my dressing room, which is like a New York apartment, it is has a bathroom, <laughs> a living room and a little like ante room. Uh, Johnny Mercer's piano is in there. So every time I warm mm. up at the piano just for fun, cause I, I'm a pianist, I will play, be playing Johnny Mercer's piano. That's pretty cool. Um, so it's just a beautiful, beautiful building. So people know about the building, but they're not necessarily flocking in. So how do we get them to flock in? So I, that, that was one of the things I really wanted to work on, audience yeah. development, because it seats about 1,400 people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And, and we've been really successful. Um, and it's, you know, I'm on the radio a lot. I do a, a, a show. Well, actually, it's like an interview once a month at the University of Indianapolis. And we talk about yeah. upcoming concerts and it's just really fun. And um, I do a lot of interviews and television and stuff like that. But also, um, I just meet a lot with our board members and our staff and our volunteers so that we're all in the same page about what it is that we're doing now because it's really different in the past two years. I mean, I keep hearing how it's so different now. And that's going to happen with every music director. You know, the next music director might come in and say, you know what? I'm not doing any pops. We'll bring someone in and I'm just doing the masterworks. You know, everyone's different and everyone comes in with a different understanding of what they want to be. And what I want it to be um, is a really well-rounded, what I think is a well-rounded music director. Yeah. So I'm involved in all the programming. I'm involved with everybody, but they do their own thing. So when the ensembles go into the schools or the hospitals, whatever, I don't tell them what to play. I, I might not even go to the performances, but they just keep me, you know, informed. And I'm think, and I'm just, you know, I'm able to thank them and say, I heard it was a great show or whatever, you know, I just like to know what they're doing. Um, but it's really, I think, important that um, to learn the community. And that took me a couple of years. And this is now my third year. And I feel like I have a, a much better grasp of who lives here in Carmel. It happens to be a town of 150 headquarters for corporations. And it's one of the fastest okay. growing communities in the state. It's, yeah. it's really growing. So we have a great opportunity here uh, with the arts and the city and the mayor, just they really support the arts. And I'm lucky because um, they, they see great value in the Palladium and, and what the symphony is doing. There are a bunch of resident co- co- companies and we're the resident orchestra. And so all the yeah. other resident companies, like the dance company and the theater company, they want to collaborate with us. So it's all built in, ready to be. But that wasn't happening before I got here, uh-huh. really on a regular basis. So now we've elevated the visibility of the orchestra within the community. We, our budget is now more than it was even two years ago. We actually get more money from the city. Um, our endowment, which is, uh, there wasn't one. We've started one and it's mm-hmm. going to be very healthy uh, very soon. Um, so we're in a really good position financially. And then what that does, it allows us to then be able to not necessarily present more concerts, um, although we're doing six more concerts now that I'm here than we used to do, which is a lot wow, for yeah. an orchestra of this size. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but now we do, you know, we might play a few times in the summer where they kind of didn't do that before. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just expanding our offerings. 
And that's all, that's all part of it. And, and I could, you know, I mean, I'm being a little bit specific, but I'm also in general, uh, just to say that, that what I'm trying to do here is I saw a real lack of um, educational outreach concerts. So that, that mm. whole program has expanded greatly. I saw no pop series. That whole series has taken off and it's going to be extremely successful next year. Um, and I'm bringing in soloists and, and local artists, uh, that combination. I don't know if that was necessarily happening, um, in the past either. So it's, it's, uh, really taking the orchestra, I think, to another level and people are reacting really positively. It's really been, um, very fun and, and eye-opening for me. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with what I'm hearing people, um, cause we do surveys and I'm just happy to see how yeah. they're reacting. Yeah. And you, and you can just. It's just going to continue. I'm really excited to, to, you know, you've only been there for what, this is your third season. You've got, and you've got so much more, so much more space to grow on, on what's everything that's happened so quickly already. Yeah. And so my five-year plan, we're um, already um, in year three of my plan. I mean, some of the things were very, very ambitious. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of, the board read the plan and I think they were looking at me like I had three heads, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a little bit like, um, Jana, uh, so this is really uh, nice. Thank you for taking the time to do this, but don't know if that's going to be possible. And I said, you know what? It's just a framework, and yeah. it's just what I would love to see happen. And um, when I got here, um, the executive director that was here was quite ill, and he ended up leaving. And then we brought somebody in who didn't work out. So it's actually um, it was a little rocky because there were three executive directors in like my two years only because of different circumstances. So it really, the the plan really didn't kick in until recently, but boy, we've just been, been, once it did, it's just been nonstop. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I just, I just work a lot. And so I, I, I study a lot and I do all that of course, but I also, I write up a lot of ideas and I sift through them and I, I bring it to staff meetings and we work together just and and I think they're really loving that because I don't think they had that before and I love to hear their opinions and mm-hmm. um especially because they're from here so they can say oh there's this great local band that we want to bring in or did you know about the singer she lives here in in Carmel or Indianapolis and they're fantastic you know I, I don't know these people so it's been great for me and they love that uh it's an open you know real open conversation and it's real collaborative in the office and so that's been really positive too, because they'll tell me about, about, you know, they, they told me about this great singer in Indianapolis and we brought her in for the holiday show. And, yeah. you know, everybody in Indianapolis came because they just loved her and, <laughs> and it was really, really successful. Yeah, it was great. So, and I, w- I might not have known about her. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, that, that's been really fun. So we're, we're on a great, we're on a great role right now. And um, right now I'm looking at the five-year plan and I'm thinking I could probably extend it because we're, we're kind of doing a lot of it now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so where will we be? I just signed a five-year, so I, I should probably update my five-year plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that singer that you brought in for the, for the concerts, were they, were they usually working with orchestras or, or not? Yeah. So her name is Sarah Scarborough. She's going to be so thrilled when she listens to this podcast. And <laughs> she, um, she comes from a family of musicians. Her husband plays um, drums in the orchestra. Her brother plays guitar and her brother-in-law is John McLaughlin. And he's got some like hit mm-hmm. songs. He's like amazing. I haven't worked with him yet. And she's, um, she's got five children and she's incredibly talented and she has not done a lot with the orchestra. And she went to Anderson university, which is uh 
uh, right near here in Anderson, uh, uh, Indiana. And I heard about her because the Wright brothers are from, uh, they live in Carmel. And um, the Wright brothers have been around for 50 years. And I did a concert with the Wright brothers. And Tim Wright said, you know, you want to hear this girl sing. Yeah. So he sent me a recording and her voice is beautiful. And she's got a band, but um, she had really not done a lot with the orchestra. She does some commercial work and she uh-huh. plays in some of the clubs and she's got a great thing going. She's pretty eclectic and she does a lot of different things, but it's, uh, she, and she's a writer. She's, she, you know, she's a songwriter. So we met and we, we came up with a, pr- with an idea that she would sing some of her own music and some standards. And, and we arranged a lot of music for her yeah. and it was, and she plays piano too. So it was just, her band was on stage and she, um, did some at the keyboard and some just with the orchestra and some with just the band. Um, and it was really, really successful. And she, I see that she's now singing with another orchestra for Christmas. This was a holiday show uh, yeah. next year. And I'm really delighted because I think she'll use some of these charts and I'm going to recommend her to my friends. And um, she wants to talk about, you know, some more collaborations. And I, I just love working with different musicians and I love, we just did a big Sinatra show with Steve Lipia and he uh, is out in Vegas and he's got some of the Nelson Riddle charts and he's just the Sinatra show. Mm-hmm. And he came to town and everybody just loved him. And I love being able to work with a, an incredible variety of musicians on a regular basis. And life never gets dull because you're going from one genre to the other, yeah. but with the, with the orchestra. And it's and and it's so good for for the orchestra um, to play opera and then ballet and then you know some rock show and then some movie concert and then Mozart and and what a great uh, experience for all of us and it's it's just constant education and we play all of those shows differently you know we our technique changes we're playing mm-hmm. when we play the handle we're using a different technique than the Beethoven and um, that's just so rewarding and uh you can tell that the audience is hearing the difference they might not be able to put their finger on it and they might not know what it is but they know that music is sounding very varied and they'll come to a concert and hear four pieces but they don't sound the same and i hear that from people that are laymen and they're like wow that's really we heard that and i think that's so incredible when Mm -hmm. they say that that's fantastic. Yeah, leave them with an experience. I'm so I'm excited to hear that that the audience is picking up on those stylistic differences because you know that's that's a lot of what we do is is you know just making sure the orchestra is playing playing in the in the right style, especially when you're going in and out of different of different pop shows and and back and forth. Yeah, and you know we work on this detail and rehearsal that is so important to us. That mm-hmm. to the audience, the average audience member, they really don't care about, or they really don't even maybe even hear it. Mm-hmm. But to us, we might spend five minutes on something or yeah. two minutes on 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 a particular bow stroke that that you know we go over and over again because we want to get it right, um, and it's just not right, not right. And then we work on it on each rehearsal, and then finally we get it. But does it really matter in the big picture? To us, it's it's very important. Yeah. It, yes, of course it matters. Does it matter to you know Joe Blow in seat eight, you know seven? Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe not. But you know, I mean, that's why Chicago and Cleveland and New York and those orchestras are so phenomenal because every note 
is is just so together and so fantastic and mm -hmm. you know we we you know i always uh, i'm from new york city and so growing up i i saw the greatest art um whether it was in museums or dance or theater or opera or the symphony and my my parents used to take us i have two brothers we used to go to performances um all the time in fact at christmas there would be envelopes in the tree and we all had you know there were three envelopes in the tree and our names were on you know we each had one and my brothers often got sports events but i always got something you know like a musical or mm -hmm. a symphony but you know as we got older um they used to take us on a regular basis and um what an education that is without even knowing that that was sinking into the makeup of who i am as a person that that was such an incredible gift that they gave me and so when i had kids i did the same thing um and they're not professional musicians but they are musicians and they love music and they play um yeah. but they 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 do other things and it's interesting because one of my sons was a a fantastic musician and actually was thinking of going to, to school for music to, to uh, college for music and ended up not and i remember having the conversation with him and i said to him look honey you know what if you can do anything else and and you can walk away from this i would say do it because it's so hard to make it in this field that you just have to have this incredible um passion and commitment to it yeah. um and and just just keep you know and just not stop when those are those days are dark and gloomy you just got you know and it's and, and you could be starving for, for a while <laughs> and and he said you know and I, and I said you know what follow this other path and then if music's calling you you can always go back to it and mm -hmm. I, I thought that that worked out for him because he, he actually lives in Brooklyn and he, he's an attorney um but he's young he's 26 and he has a he just bought a piano and um, mm -hmm. he's working at a firm. He just started working at a firm. And um, I think he's going to be there for a little bit. And he called me the other day and, and he practices a lot. He loves music. And he said, you know, mom, I'm going to stay at this firm. And I think what I might end up doing is someday, you know, working in some field where I'm, I'm really giving back in a way that's either to, to, you know, people in need or whatever. I mean, he's going to, he's, he's doing great work. He's going to yeah. end up doing yeah. great work at some, some point of his life. And, so and, and my other son is a great trumpet player and he's a firefighter and studying to be a paramedic wow. so uh <laughs> yeah pretty interesting what my kids are doing but they you know they have a great appreciation because i dragged them th when they were kicking that they didn't want to go to the opera to the opera yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, so and now that you know they'll they'll say hey mom you know there's some tickets to this uh, show and i'm gonna go or I'm gonna, i got tickets for the new york philharmonic or i'm going to this and that and i think that's great yeah. Now they're our audience. They're our, our next audience. Yeah, exactly. And donors. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and even more important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, well, thanks so much for 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 joining us on on Podium Time. I'm I'm glad that we were able to dig in so much to what you're doing with Carmel and um, you know, attracting the audiences and growing the orchestra. And, and we just have have two more quick questions, if that's okay. Sure. Um, the first one is what are what are some hidden gems some some pieces that that you really think should be should be performed more listened to more than they are oh wow what a great question um you know when I was in Williamsburg um, it, the orchestra started as a chamber orchestra and it's now a, a, a larger orchestra it was called the Williamsburg Symphonia and mm -hmm. 
I was so stuck sometimes because I, you know, we had done all the Beethoven symphonies. We had done so many Haydn symphonies, maybe not 104, but a lot of them. <laughs> and we had done a lot of Mozart. And believe me, that is like some of my favorite music. I am not putting that music down at all. Yeah. But I thought, what can I do? So I started to look at um, some hidden gems. And we would call, in fact, we would call those pieces hidden gems, pieces by the, like the Eber Divertimento. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that piece. Um, pieces that were by composers that they knew that maybe they didn't know the pieces. So some of the symphonias of Mendelssohn, um, mm-hmm. some pieces by composers that they had never heard before, or, 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 so I did, I did music that they would recognize, but they didn't know who it was written by music by the composer. They knew the composer, but they didn't know the piece or, um, music by composers they didn't know and they didn't know the music. So like new, new, new things to them. Yeah. And I found some incredible music. Um, but, but there's also music that like, like Tchaikovsky's second symphony is a great it's piece. So great. And it, yeah. it is so great. And I, <laughs> and I try to perform it as much as I can, but I don't think it's played that much. And every time I do it, orchestras are like, we love this piece. Well, it's a little bit challenging. It's not an easy piece, mm-hmm. but it's, it's ch- absolutely charming. And, um, I, you know, I put it in the same realm as like Bizet Symphony in C or Prokofiev Classical Symphony. It yeah. makes you feel good. It's a it's really, really, really fun piece. Um, so I think there are a lot of hidden gems out there. I think that one of the greatest things that's happening in this day and age, we touched on a little bit earlier today, is that as programmers, we have to really be clever. And we have to really think about somebody sitting in their seat for two hours you know, getting up for 20 minutes and maybe having a glass of wine, but they're sitting there, what's going to keep them in their seats, coming back for more, and also really relishing those two hours. So we have to be in their head and and imagine sitting there. So we have to, you know, look at the key. We can't play everything in D major because that might, (laughs) you know, they they might react funny to that. That might make them feel bored even though the pieces are different. So we have to be very, very clever in our programming. So I'm always looking for pieces uh, that are just a little quirky. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've done, I mean, not that this is quirky, but I've done the uh, um, Afternoon of a Fawn for 13 Instruments. Um, People love that. It's a really small version. It's gorgeous and as difficult to conduct as the, as the larger one. Um, (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. And I, you know, I, I, there, there's some music that I never get to play. Like I, I don't play a lot of Bruckner. Um, I've done Mahler one. I've done a few Mahler symphonies, but some of the really, really huge pieces, um, I don't do. I don't. I don't perform on a regular basis because they're they're huge. They're difficult, and you just need a, an incredible machine, I think, to really play them. Mm-hmm. And I sort of wish I could do some more of that, but maybe um, we can do that in William, here in Carmel. Um, so we're doing Symphony Fantastique um, next year, and I'm yeah. actually doing that at the Swanee Music Festival this summer as well. Oh, cool! Um, and that's a, I just love that piece. It's such a great piece. Um, mm-hmm. But that piece is done often. So hidden gems. Um, again, I think that you just need to go to your Daniels and and uh, go through <laughs> that book. And I do that. You know, that's my fun reading, and just start to look at pieces um, by composers. I'll tell you, there are some conductors that are absolutely brilliant at programming. And they find these pieces by composers like uh, Norman Dello Gioio, you know, a yeah. piece that you maybe never played before. And you hear it and you think, oh my gosh, why didn't I play that piece? Or, um, you know, I've done a lot of 
pieces for small orchestra, all those Copeland small pieces, pieces mm-hmm. for smaller. I've done, we performed all that music. Um, gosh, if I look at all of my programs from Williamsburg, there are so many pieces that we did. Um, Goddess, G-A-D-E-S, a composer nobody heard of, but I heard it on oh. the radio and put some of his music on there. A lot of music from Scandinavia that I found one year. Um, there was a special on TV and I just started programming music just digging in for, you know, anything yeah. I could find that was different, you know, that our audience, and we played a lot of music for strings, string orchestra, and a um, cu- couple of uh, wind serenades. Um, but I think uh, out of, for orchestra, uh, Chai Chi would be up there. Um, oh. you, know, you can never go wrong with the Brahms symphonies, but they're played all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So um, I did one Brahms symphony since I've been in Carmel and I haven't programmed one for next season because I, I just think that they've, they've played them so much. Even an orchestra that has six masterworks a year has played the Brahms symphonies like to death. So, yeah. you know, we need to look at where, you know, different music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, we just did a piece last night. It was a clarinet concerto and I think it was, it's been around for a couple of years, but we did the U.S. premiere and I didn't, you know, while I was preparing it, I was like, man, it's, you know, this piece is fine. But then when I watched the performance, I realized how much the audience was liking it. It was called Verdiana by Alexi Shore. Um, and it was, again, it was like a 15 minute clarinet concerto. It's three movements, um, but it was all Verdi melodies from operas. But That's so cute. But then it was mixed with South American dances. So the first, the first movement was a samba. The second movement was like a bossa nova, and the third movement was um, Le Donne Noble, but in two um, with like a tango accompaniment. It was it was just a crowd pleaser, and it was it was tough for the orchestra a little bit, but it was so much fun actually. Um, it sounds yeah. a little bit like Mozart, the piece Mozart yeah. Tiana. You know, it's the yes, same thing. Yeah. So where did you find that piece? The um, the clarinet soloist brought it to us. He'd, he'd done it a couple times um, overseas. Um, and then we just realized that it had never been done in America until last night. Um, oh, that's so great. You know, that's yeah. like when I, found, when I, when I was um, conducting, every time I conduct overseas, you know, I'll learn about, um, I, I've conducted in Holland before. So I've learned a lot of Dutch composers or, or I learned about Revel, uh, uh, Revueltas, you know, I had yeah, never done yeah. any music by him before. And that's great music. Um, you know, and when I was in Mexico and Costa Rica, you know, you're always coming back with great music. And those are really, really wonderful to be able to present to. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest things about being able to travel and meet other orchestras and other musicians, because you can bring music back. And usually they're a hit. Oh, I want to do that piece now. Verdiana. Yeah. I love that. It was, yeah, it was really cool. Um, yeah, Alexi Shore. Alexi Shore, yeah, S H O R. He was a he has a PhD in mathematics, so all his music is very not like contemporary ish. Um, is where's he from? Where where's he located? Um, I want to say the Ukraine. Okay. Um, yeah, and it, it was it was it was um, it was a lot of fun, and I, again, I didn't realize it until I was sitting in a performance watching as an audience member um, how much I enjoyed it. Well, you know, I think that's that, that's a great example of fantastic programming because to put that on with Beethoven five, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how nice is that? Although Beethoven five is a great sell, 
but then you put on this piece that nobody knows and then they love that too. And you know, that's, that's so fantastic because now they're thinking, wow, I really like this music that I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So, then, so then it tells the audience, wow, I should go to more music that I don't know. Uh, cause I'm, I, I came <laughs> here for Beethoven five. So, uh, that's so great. Yeah. What, what else was on that program? Uh, what, yeah. The opener was the four C interludes. Oh, love that. Um, Britain. Oh love God. That. Yeah. Just great piece. Um, and then, and then there was a, one other short clarinet piece, the, um, uh, Bella Kovacs, Shalom Aleichem. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a yeah, great, it was one. a great concert. Um, and as I was, as I was starting to tell people, you know, I was preparing it, it was like, whatever. And then as I was starting to tell people about it, I was like, you know what, actually, this is like a crowd pleaser, but in a really good way. Like we've got this yeah, great for music. Sure. Yeah. The, the first half was all, you know, every, no movement on the first half was more than five minutes long. It was a lot of variety. And then the second half was Beethoven five, which is, you know, very easy to get through for a, <laughs> for an audience member. But well, you know, um, yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said about playing music that's short sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, it really gets, you know, everything is short. If people aren't entertained within 30 seconds, you, they're gone. You know, yeah. and we know that from, from Facebook and YouTube. I mean, people literally, I mean, I, I have seen young people, go so fast on their phones. I mean, I'm, I thought I was pretty fast, but they, they will go so fast with just scrolling and looking and, and just how incredibly used to it they are. That's like yeah. second nature. And, uh, you know, I mean, I probably take a little longer than that to really listen to something, but, but, you know, people, the short attention spans, I guess we, we, we keep hearing that that's kind of, uh, how people are today, but I really think that sounds like such a fantastic program. And also it geared them up to sit there for the Beethoven and really mm -hmm. sit and enjoy it because it didn't seem like it was long, you know, it seemed like, yeah. okay, now I can just, they, they're probably really looking forward to that. That's so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a great program and I'm glad I was able to, to sit down and, and, and listen to it. Um, we, we opened another concert this season with the Brahms variations. And again, I was thinking like, yeah, we just go, you know, we, we warm them up with a bunch of variety and it was, um, yeah. Yeah. So then our, our final question is, um, if you could erect a billboard, uh, send a message out to every, every, um, conductor every day on their drive into work. Um, what would you, what would you put on that billboard? That is just such a funny question for me because um, I had a motto in Williamsburg and the motto was because, again, when you're working with an orchestra, um, a smaller orchestra, it seems like every day something's going on that's like, oh, no, this is not going smoothly. Yeah. And the, the, the executive director put a sign in her office and it said, it always works out. <laughs> and then my name below, Jana Himes. It always works out. That's great. So, you know, you can feel like so nervous about walking on stage or so ill-prepared or so um, uh, over your head or whatever, but it always works out. It will always be fine. Now, yeah. that does that mean that something doesn't happen at the concert? Or, Of course, things can happen, but usually they don't. And if they do, <laughs> they get back on track. You know, I think we all have this dream, this nightmare. I'm, one of the nightmares I've, I've had recurring is that I'm walking on stage and I go to the, I look at the concert master. I'm like, what are we playing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't really know what we're playing. And they'll say, Gina, it's like, come on, it's, it's check five. And I'm like, okay. And then we start. But yeah. uh, like I, I walk on stage and I just don't know what we're playing. 
Um, that doesn't happen in real life. So if we're pl- going along at a concert, if something gets derailed or something happens, we learn how to get back on. The musician knows it. We're smart. We figure it out. But typically that doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. if things work out, you know, if, a, if, a, if, if, if music doesn't show up in the concert, you, uh, you find a new piece, whatever it is, yeah. it, things, you know, and, and you know, sometimes I'll tell the staff, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about things and I'll just say, you know, we think that this is a problem. The problems are the, the fires in, in Australia, in Australia. Those, those are the problems, mm-hmm. you know, the problems are the shooting, uh, you know, at, at the church the other day. This is not a problem. Just yeah. figure it out and get over it. You know, we're being too dramatic here about this and it, it makes a lot of sense. So I think we need to put things into perspective and we need to know that, uh, if we if we remain calm <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. do our job and everyone does their job, that it's going to be pretty smooth. Let's try to keep the drama on stage. Let's yeah. try to keep the passion and the and the and that that heightened, elevated emotion to the music, um, whether it's calm or exuberant or fast or slow or dreamy or whatever it is. And let's try to just run a tight ship in the office and just all be transparent and really honest and hardworking and it's all going to be beautiful. And I think that um, I've set a tone here for that type of work ethic. And I, I can't even tell you how great it is because that always isn't the case. Um, and I know I have friends and colleagues who, you know, work with executive directors they can't stand or they're, <laughs> they don't like this, this situation or they're number two and they never get, get to go down, whatever it is. And yeah. so I feel so lucky to be, finally at the, at the place where it's all clicking. And I'm just happy to be able to, uh, well, I'm really happy to be on a podcast that's for conductors. Um, cause I, I really have so much respect for people in this field and all levels of conductor, um, whether it's, you know, in a junior high school uh, through college or professional or whatever. Um, I think that, that some of the, the most amazing people I have met have been conductors and music yeah. directors. Um, because they share a similar passion, but they also are great leaders and um, everybody has a story and everyone's coming from a different path of life. And I find it so incredibly fascinating and um, how we got here and why we picked it or how it picked us, I should say. Yeah. Um, Cause everyone started a different way. You know, we all, we all came to this from a different, a different way. And uh, those, those, those stories alone are extremely, um, I think, exciting and, and fun to listen to. So um, I just feel uh, that you're doing a great, a great service by having this incredible show. I mean, I know that some are very technical and some are um, analytical and some are um, very educational, but I think just, just talking to an array of conductors is so valuable. And I know that I really enjoyed listening to past podcasts that you've had and, and listening to what people have to say about this business, which is so incredibly unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we deal with musicians on a regular basis, so it's not unique in our day to day, but when you go out in the community, people look at us, we are different and, and they look at us and they talk to us as, yeah. as, as if we're a little bit different because what we do is so unique. And while we don't think so, that everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we sort of have to uh, cope with that. And yeah. I always, you know, I, I kind of feel like a fish out of, out of water, like a lot of times, because um, I don't quite fit in. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty, you know, 
I'm, I'm a pretty easy person to get along with, but, mm-hmm. but I'm different in that regard of what I do yeah. for work. So. Awesome. so thank you for, for what you do. Well, and thank you. We're so happy to to have you joining the ranks of, um, <laughs> of our guests. <laughs> um, awesome. If our listeners have, have any more questions, is there, is there a good way to, to reach you? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm on Facebook. I hope people will um, friend me on Facebook and uh, yeah, they can de- definitely reach me. I'm very reachable. Um, and, you know, if anyone's ever in Carmel or wherever I'm guest conducting, I can get tickets for them. I, uh, you know, I never get to see conductors because I'm never, if I'm working, they're working and we're usually in two yeah. different places. So <laughs> it's, it's really hard. And that's, that's another reason why I think this podcast is so great because it's, it's another way of connecting conductors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for your time and and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podium Time. If you'd like to get more from the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash podiumtimepod to learn more about becoming a member of our PT family, an assistant conductor, or a donor to the podcast. And don't forget to join our inner circle group on Facebook. Links for everything are in the show notes below or at podiumtimepod.com. Mendelssohn's Italian Symphony was performed by the Czech National Symphony Orchestra, and Beethoven's Egmont Overture was performed by Stefano Ligorazzi. <laughs>